Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. In this sermon from October 17th, 2021, Luke Hedinger continues the series on Galatians and further addresses the lie that God loves and accepts us more when we obey. For more information, please visit compassefc.com. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles. My name is, my name is Luke Hedinger, for those of you I haven't met yet. Um, and this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to continue walking through the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And what we're going to be looking at in just a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to read uh, Galatians chapter 3, starting verse 15 together. And what we're doing this morning is we are looking at the second half of chapter 3. Second half of chapter 3. Now, um, what, what we're going to read is what Paul does here is he begins to give further explanation for what he's already talked about in chapter 3. Right? At the, the very beginning of this passage we're going to read, he, he says, well, let me give you an example. Right? And, and so what we need to understand is this is building on what we have already heard. And uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we heard Pastor Craig kind of give another lie because we're looking at the, the different lies that Christians believe. That's kind of the lens we're, we're taking to look at the book of Galatians. And a couple weeks ago, the, the lie that we looked at was this lie that says God loves us more and accepts us more when we obey. God loves us more and accepts us more when we obey. And that's a lie that we can believe, and it's really easy for us to believe. And, and Pastor Craig kind of unpacked that and then talked about how do we live a spirit-filled life and how do, we, how do we live in light of the promises of God. And this morning what we're looking at is a passage that says, okay, let me unpack this a little more. So if you would stand with me, um, and, and the passage is going to be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along up there. But Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 15 all the way to 29. So I know that we have short attention spans, but uh, if you find yourself drifting, maybe pinch yourself, pinch your neighbor, uh, do, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, that's super, I already, yeah, it's already distracting, I'm sorry I said that. But anyway, let's, let's read. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, sorry, verse 15, it says, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises we've, were made to Abraham and to his offspring, it does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Verse 21, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you for this, this passage that you've given to us. God, I pray that, that now as we enter into it, God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us a heart to understand. God, help us as we come into this place. Help us to experience you through your word. And, and God, help us to move deeper into what it means to, to be people who are at one with you. And it's in your name. Amen. You can, you can be seated. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you, I don't know about you, but as I was looking at this passage the past few weeks, um, as, as Paul is saying, all right, let me, let me give another explanation. It felt like to me, the more I read his explanation, it was like, man, Paul, you're really bad at this, right? You, you're trying to give me an explanation. You're trying to make it more plain. And I feel like I'm more confused than ever as I walk through this. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been in this place, but you know how my dad used to do this all the time. I said, Dad, how do you get to this place? Before, before we all had GPSs in our phones. And I said, how do, you, how do you get here? How do you get there? Well, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to head east. I was like, okay, nope. We're done already, right? <laughs> Tell me left, tell me right. Like, don't, don't give me these directions. No, you're going you're gonna to come to the, the big old tree. You know where that is, right? No, Dad, I don't know. Are you, are you kidding me? How long have we lived here? How long have you driven these roads? It's like, I, never mind. I'll just uh, wander around until I find wherever it is I'm going. That's kind of the way it feels like Paul here in Galatians, the last part of chapter 3. Right? He, he's saying, okay, here's a lie that it's so easy to believe, that we are justified, which means made right. We are made right by this checklist that we have. We're made right by, by obeying these rules, these laws. And it's so easy to believe that if I can just do that, if I can, if I can just be good enough, then I'll be more loved by God. If I can just do this, then I'll be more accepted by God. Or if I can just stop doing that, then I'll be more loved by God. If I can just clean myself up enough, then I'll be more loved by God. And yet what Paul says is he's saying, guys, if that is the case, if that's your mindset, then you're missing it. That's not the gospel. But what it is, he, he, again, he says, to give a human example, he, he starts out and he says, all right, let's talk about it in this way. And he talks about this, uh, this, this thing, this covenant, this man-made covenant. And most likely what he's referring to is, is like a last will and testament. And he's saying if, 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 we, if we understand that if we make a covenant and it's ratified, then that's sealed. You can't change it. If we understand that, and, and he's, he's referring, I, I didn't realize this. I guess I should have. I should have understood this, but I didn't. Um, I, I guess a covenant or a, or a will, um, even today, if you write up a will, that can be changed, right? That can be changed. Some of you are like, yes, it can. I've been cut out. or what? It, I'm, that was a bad joke. But anyway, like, you, you experience this. It can be changed, and yet until a certain point in time. And what is that point in time? Till you die, right? Till you die. Love talking about death in church, right? Till, till you die. I mean, there is a point in time where it says, okay, this document is sealed. It doesn't matter what long-lost relatives show up wanting a piece of the family farm. That document is done. 
And what he says there is he says, look, if this is the way it is with us, between you and I, we understand these things. Why do we think it's different between us and God? And what he's saying is he's saying, look, the promise was given to Abraham and to his offspring at a certain place in time. You can look at it in Genesis 12. You, you see what God does with Abraham, and he, he gives Abraham this covenant and this promise and, and all these incredible promises, and he's saying, look, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all these things. I'm going to bless you so that the nations will be blessed through you, referring to being justified, being made right with God. And then what Paul says is, look, uh, 430 years later, we have Moses and the law and, and the, the Mount— Ararat and the, the Ten Commandments, we have all that. And what he's saying is he's saying, look, the law, 430 years later, does not change, it doesn't nullify the promise that was given first. In the same way that at the point which you die, that document is sealed. It's done. Do you see that? And he's saying, look, if that is the way it is with us, then why is it different with God? And I, I, before we move on past this, this section, I think we need to see here. I, I love where Paul kind of gives some clarification when he talks about offsprings and offspring. Right? It, 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 seems like, it seems like kind of a, a side tangent or a side note where he's saying, I'm not talking about multiple offsprings. I'm talking about one offspring. What is that? Who is that offspring? Christ. Who is Christ? And I think what we see here is Paul is continuously dismantling the argument of the Judaizers. And the Judaizers, again, they were these people that came from Jerusalem. And they're saying, hey, that's awesome that you have put your faith in Christ. Um, now let's continue to, here's what you need to do next. Don't eat bacon. Or, you know, all these different things. It's like, wait, what? And, and he's saying, yeah, this is what you got to do. To be in Christ, ultimately what they're saying is you have to be in Abraham's family. Ultimately, that's what he's saying. To be in Christ, you have to be in this Jewish faith, these, these laws, these regulations, all these different things. You have to follow these things. And, and what they were doing, as, as Paul's saying, look, it wasn't, the promise wasn't made to offsprings, it was made to offspring, and that offspring is Jesus Christ. He's, he's dismantling their argument that says we are okay because of who our great, 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 great grandpa was. That, that was the argument for a lot of these people. We're okay because the law, because we're in Abraham, because we, we followed all these different things. I mean, you, you can see it throughout. Like if you look at John chapter 8, verse 33, Jesus is having this interaction with the Pharisees and the religious rulers, and they're talking about uh, faith and, and uh, salvation and being set free from, from sin. And their argument is this. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. That's how I read their, their indignant. We're offspring of Abraham, never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And then John eight thirty nine, kind of the way they wrap up their argument, Abraham is our father. They're saying we are okay because of this checklist that we have. We are okay because of our heritage. We are okay because we are connected to Abraham. And Paul, again, in this passage, he's dismantling this. And he's saying, no, it's not, it's not Abraham. It's Jesus through which the fulfillment of this promise comes. Right? And, and he goes on from there because then the question inevitably comes up, well, why the law? Why the law? What do we do with it? 
And, and I think this is, this is a question that comes to my mind lots of times. What do we do with the Old Testament? I'm, I'm going through this Old Testament class right now, reading through Leviticus, and sometimes it's like, why? Why is this stuff here? Do you ever read that? And like some of the, some of the things, the, the Old Covenant, it's like, you know, this is not what occupies my quiet time in the mornings. Like, like laws about how I can't touch dead things. I don't think I'm going to be in danger of that today on my way to work. Right? And yet we, we, see, we see this passage and, and he says, okay, why then the law? He, he attacks the question head on. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Who was the offspring? Again, we just said that. Christ, right, till the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one God, but God is one. Okay. Oftentimes, when we read through Scripture, we can get so caught up in the things that we don't understand that we overlook the things that we can understand or do understand. Right? I mean, as I was going through this passage again, it's, it feels like Paul saying, all right, go north. Uh, Paul, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. What in, intermediary given by angels, all these different things. The commentaries I read say that there are over 300 different interpretations over what Paul might be meaning by the intermediaries and God is one and the, the angels and all those different things. Over 300 different interpretations. And as I was, I, I was listening to a, a pastor, uh, his name's Alistair Begg this, this past week, and he was saying that what we need to do is we need to, to understand that there are many things in Scripture that we can understand that we don't take time to put into practice because we get so caught up in the things that we don't. So let's look at the things that we do. And I'm not saying discredit all those things, discount all those. I think those are important. But for this morning, as we look at this passage, what we see is Paul is saying, look, the law was given because of what? Transgressions. I heard another name for it. Sin. As we look at this passage, the things that we can understand are, Paul says, look, the law was given because of sin. Um, Craig said a couple weeks ago, I love this quote, um, and I actually wrote it down because I know that sometimes my brain blanks in moments like this. But he said, immaturity requires specificity. Immaturity requires specificity. Um, uh, uh, my cousin, when her kids were younger, she said that, you know, as a mom of young kids, there are things that she has said that she never thought she would ever have to say. Rules that she put in place that she would never think would need to be a rule. Uh, like one of the rules that, that she had for her kids was don't lick that. <laughs> she talked about being in the checkout line of a, of a store one time and she looked down at her young child and he was slowly moving towards the magazine rack. Like, just slowly. I don't know if he was, like, thinking, Mom won't see this if I just move slow. And his tongue was ever so slowly coming out of his mouth, coming towards the magazines. She said, don't lick that. <laughs> Why you would have to have a rule that says don't lick that, who knows? But here's the reality. That is where he was at that point in his development. As a kid, is saying, I don't know, this is a good idea. Right? My mom's taking a long time. I'm bored. I wonder what that tastes like. 
See, the, the, the reality is in, in our moments of immaturity, there comes times where, where it's like, all right, we have to be specific. This is what you do. This is what you do not do. And, and praise God, um, that's, even though that's probably still a rule for him, it's, it doesn't need to be said because he's a freshman at Mizzou right now. He's probably not wondering what magazines taste like anymore, right? But at that moment in time, that rule was necessary, Right? It revealed his immaturity. It revealed where he was at. Um, let me use a different example. When, um, when we lived in Iowa, we had a trampoline. And it's kind of it's funny. I don't know, parents, um, when, when I had kids, there was this thing in me. It's like, I'm going to have the things that I didn't get to have when I was a kid. Trampoline was one of them. My, my mom always said that we would kill each other if we had a trampoline because they didn't have the nets and the safety things, you know, all that stuff when, when I was younger. Um, but it's like, I don't care if we kill each other. I want a trampoline. So when my kids were younger, guess what we got? A trampoline, yeah. And, and we lived in Iowa, and, and uh, this was one of the last, like, times to jump on the trampoline. Like, we, the season was kind of coming to an end. Um, and, in fact, the trampoline that we had had been through, like, some major uh, windstorms. It had been picked up and thrown, and it was kind of like, it wasn't, it wasn't in the best shape, okay? Um, and so we actually put it on Craigslist, and this guy, you know, it was like, free if you haul. And so the last time we were jumping, the season was ending and actually this guy was coming in just a few minutes to pack it up and take it away and my daughter and I we were out there we were jumping and my wife you know she's like hey guys let's I don't know if it was time to eat or, or whatever or if time to go somewhere but she's like come on guys we gotta go and and so I was like okay one last time right this is gonna be big it's we gotta get all the jumps out of this that we can and she jumped and she was really little at the time she jumped and I like popped her yeah, I, I can see some of your reactions already. I popped her up, and she went flying, and she came down on her arm, and all of a sudden I hear like a pop. And, I, you know, in that moment, she, oh, she, oh, you know, she's holding her arm, and I'm thinking, I am the worst dad ever. Like, why, you know, like, why, God? Why, you know, and, and it, you know, it's like, okay, okay, don't, don't cry, don't, you know. <laughs> I didn't say don't tell your mom, but, like, <laughs> come on, let's, let's go, let's get off the trampoline, and I get her, and we're, you know, and we're icing it, and we're, you know, it's like, okay, can you move it? Oh, well, yeah, I can move it a little bit. Okay, that's a good sign. Well, can you move your hand? Okay, well, okay, you can move your hand. Oh, that's a good sign. Because in my mind, the way I grew up was if you can move it, you're not really that hurt, right? I mean, my dad cut his leg with a chainsaw, cleaned it off, put butterfly band-aids on it, and went back to work. Like, I'm not kidding. That's my, that's the house I grew up in. And so we got off the trampoline. She can move it. We're like, oh, okay. Whew. Uh, crisis averted. So then, I think right after that, we went to an apple orchard. <laughs> like, okay, we're not going to the ER. Let's go pick some apples. And so we we go to this apple orchard. We even ride the like the the tractor hay ride, the wagon ride thing around it. And and I you know I can still remember watching her as the as the tractor. This is terrible. But as the trailer's bumping, she's, oh, you know, and she's holding her, and it's like, but she can move it. It's probably fine. <laughs> Well, it didn't get better. I mean, I'm sure you can see where this story is going. It didn't get better. It kept getting worse. And, and I think it was the next morning we were like, okay, we need to go to the doctor. Finally. Um, it was either the next morning or that night, maybe. She's, I can see that she's telling her friends the exact story. Um, but we, we go to the doctor. We get an x-ray. Guess what it shows? Yeah. 
broken wrist. Now, I, can, I, could, I could get really frustrated with the situation, in which I was. I was really frustrated because I couldn't believe, you know, it's the last jump of the season. We're just getting ready. We, you know, we hadn't had that, that many injuries on the trampoline up to that point. And, and all this was, why did this have to happen? I, I was so frustrated. But the one thing I couldn't be frustrated at was the x-ray. Why? Huh? It's telling the truth. The x-ray was just revealing what was broken inside. And, and I think sometimes, sometimes if you're anything like me, it's like, I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the dentist. Every time I go to the dentist, they give me bad news. Why do I want to keep going there, right? And, and it's like, well, they're just revealing what is broken already inside, right? See, and, and I think that we want to live lives where, where we're like, no, everything's okay. Don't look at it. If you can move it, it's fine. You know, if you ever smash your finger and it's like, oh, don't look, don't look, don't look. Because if I don't look, it's not really broken. It's not really hurt. And, and what he's saying is the law forces us to understand, to come to an understanding of our own brokenness that we live with every single day. Right? It is revealing the brokenness that is in us already. And so then he goes on and he says, okay, well, well then is the law contrary to the promises of God? So if that's the case, if the law reveals the brokenness, then is it contrary to these promises that God has given us that we can be justified through faith? Is it contrary to that? Are they at odds? And what does he say? Let's say it together. What does he say? Certainly not. I mean, that is an emphatic, like, absolutely, by no means. That is not what we see. These two things are not at odds with each other. And, and what he's saying, he's saying, certainly not. For if law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. What he's saying is the law was never meant to do what the promise does. The law reveals, the promise heals. Do you hear that? That's pretty good, isn't it? The law reveals, the promise heals. The, the law, the x-ray, is never meant to be the cure. The x-ray just revealed the need for a cure. Right? The, the x-ray and, and the cast do very different things. See, and, and that's what Paul is saying here. Is he's saying, yes, we are in need of the law. Because we are broken, and if there is no law, then we are just ignorant, and we're going through life, and, you know, it's like, oh, that hurts, but oh, I'm okay, I can get through it. But the x-ray says, no, you actually can't. The x-ray says, there needs to be action taken. The x-ray says, you have a brokenness that you cannot live with. And that's the law. And yet, yet, as we look at that, it says, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. You see, the law is like a jail cell that helps us to see that we need a rescuer, that we need a redeemer, that we need a way out from underneath this, this imprisonment. We need a way out from underneath these chains. We need a way out from underneath the sin and condemnation that we feel. We need a rescuer. Because here's the reality. If it wasn't for the x-ray, again, if it wasn't for the x-ray, we, we would not understand our need for the cast. Nobody, nobody's going to go to the doctor and say, hey, you know, could you please um, restrict the motion in my right arm for six to eight weeks? Just sounds like a fun thing to do, 
right? Can you just do, you know, can, can you just wrap my arm up in plaster so that, you know, so that it's super inconvenient? No, but if it says, hey, you have a brokenness, here's the cure, then we, we, we know that we need to accept what that cure says, right? Amen, amen. amen. That's, that's what we see here. See, the law is not trying to do what the, what the, what the promise does. And he, he goes on. He goes on to say, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, in prison until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Again, the law is saying, don't lick that. The law is saying, you are, there's brokenness here. The law is saying, hey, you might look okay on the outside. The law is saying you might be able to move in certain directions. You might be able to go through life like everybody's saying, man, look at their Instagram account. Their family is just, are you kidding me? They had family pictures again at the pumpkin patch. They never go through anything terrible. It's so easy to live a life like that, isn't it? And yet the law, what the law does is it strips away the veneer and says, no, there's actually brokenness here. And he goes, he says, justified by faith, verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Let's, let's just stop there. Because what I, what I, I, I think this is really important in what Paul's saying. That, that idea of being sons of God, it, that is not a gender thing. That's not a thing that says, well, we need to rewrite scripture and have that say sons and daughters or, or children. That's, that's not what this is talking about. And, and the reason is we're going to see that in just a few minutes that this isn't a gender thing. What this actually is, this is a context thing. Because in this day and age, who were the ones that received the inheritance? Firstborn, Firstborn sons, right? And unfortunately, in this culture, daughters didn't really get a whole lot. And so what Paul is saying is that through faith in the, in the promised one that came, in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in him and what he has done, we all, y'all, are sons of God, partakers of the inheritance. And I, I love that he even uses that word. Because what do you have to do to receive an inheritance? Nothing. Did somebody say somebody has to die? But yeah, yeah, Zoe said that. Uh, yeah, yeah, somebody has to die, right? And even that works in our illustration. Somebody has to die, and we receiving the inheritance do nothing. I love when, when you think of the, the story of the rich young ruler, this young man runs up to Jesus, and what does he say to Jesus? Good teacher. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life, to inherit the kingdom of heaven, to inherit the kingdom of God? See, there is a flaw, a fundamental flaw in this young man's question, isn't there? Because he's saying, what do I have to do to just get what is rightfully like the inheritance? You don't do anything. And see, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, it is not because of who your great-grandpa is. It's not because of how well your checklist is marked off. It's actually an inheritance that we receive by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So I think, let's, let's just 
read on. And we're going to talk about this in just, just a little bit more. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I love it because Paul there, he, again, he's dismantling these arguments. And he, he's saying, look, we are sons of God. If we, if we are in Christ, if we have union with Christ, if we put our trust in the finished work of Christ, we are at one with Christ and we are offsprings of Abraham. We are recipients of the promise. And he says, there's neither, neither Jew nor Greek. Neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. And, and again, this is not a gender issue. This is, this is him saying, look, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. There is, amen, there is nothing you can do or there is nothing you have done that can keep you out of the love of God. And there is nothing you can do that will make you more loved by God. You see that? It, it catches both sides of the coin. And I love it because, again, he's, he's hitting, oh, that was loud. He's hitting right at an, an argument that, that they would have had. This was a prayer that uh, most Jewish people possibly could have prayed on a daily basis. All right, let's, let's see if you can hear the distinction. Blessed be he, now God, that he did not make me a Gentile. Blessed be he that he did not make me a boor, or, which is an ignorant peasant or a slave. Blessed be he that he did not make me a woman. See, what they pray on a daily basis is they're saying, praise God that I am an Israelite. Praise God that I can keep the law. Praise God that I have the grandfather that I have. Praise God that I have the heritage that I have. Praise God that I have the gender that I have. Praise God that I have the skin color that I have. Praise God that, that I'm all this because all of that makes me acceptable to God. And if it wasn't for all that, then I would be outside of God's reach. And what's Paul saying there? In Christ, there's not Jew or Gentile. In Christ, he's, he's not saying that we're going to take away cultures. I believe at the foot of the throne, I believe when you read Revelation, there are still cultures praising God in their God-given languages. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what it's going to be like to worship God. He's not saying that we're doing away with cultures. He's not saying we're doing away with genders. He's not saying that, that you know, economic, like pe some people are going to have more, some people are going to have, that. he's not saying that, but he's saying those things do not keep you out of the, God, the love of God and they don't bring you more fully into the love of God. What brings us into the love of God? What brings us into fellowship with God? What brings us into the promise of God? Faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the law is not a ladder that we can ascend, that we can climb to ascend to God. It is the weight around our neck that makes us understand that we are in people in need of God. And Jesus has come to set us free. See, I think sometimes we look at the gospel and we just see it as, as good advice for humanity to follow. Right? We just see it as good advice. And yet what the gospel truly is, it is good news 
about what has been done on your behalf. The difference is, um, I heard a pastor saying one time, if he took his kids to, and his kids were super small at the time, if he took his kids to the YMCA and hands him a basketball and says, look, I'm a loving father, I love you, and, um, but here's what you need to do to be my child, you need to slam dunk this basketball. Like, that's the requirement. You need to slam dunk the basketball. Like if, if they tried, they would fail. And, and, and just imagine, just imagine a little child, you know, trying to jump, trying to do, you know, because they want to they please their dad. They want to they do these things and say, that's fine. If you, if you want to please me, slam dunk this basketball. And they try and they miss. And he goes and gets the ball and he brings it back to him. And says, it's okay. See, the, the good news is you get as many chances as you need. So here's the ball. Let's try again. Oh, that's okay. Let me get the ball. The good news is you get to try as many times as you... Is that good news for that little child? Is it good news for that little child? No. What is good news is that her father loves her unconditionally. And his favor towards her is, is, is sealed. It doesn't matter if she can slam dunk the basketball because it has been done on her behalf. See, that's the good news. 1 Corinthians, Paul says it this way, or 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him we might become the righteousness of God. This morning, what I want to ask you is, I just want to ask, where are you at in this? Where are you at? Where you at? Because, because I think some of us can be in the place where, I, I'm sure you've heard it said before, you know, maybe you invite somebody to church and they're like, oh, if I come there, the walls will fall down. <laughs> Ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. What are they saying? What are they saying? They're saying that, look, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done because what I have done is so bad that I could never be a part of what you're offering. I'm, I've done too much. I am too broken. I am too far gone. And yet the gospel of Jesus Christ says that that is not true. Amen? See, the law actually reveals that brokenness. It reveals it. It puts it on display. And the, the beauty of the law says you need a savior. And the gospel says that savior has come. Amen? That Savior has come in the form of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. He took our place. He took our sin upon his shoulders. He took the punishment for the law that we could not uphold, that we could not fulfill. He took that on himself, and he took our place, and he gave us his righteousness by faith. See, and on the other side, it's true too. Maybe some of you are in here saying, man, well, man, I'm not that. Praise God, I'm not, I don't have that sin problem. I don't have that sin struggle. Man, some people, I wish my sister would have come to hear this message because talk about somebody who's sinful. <laughs> she needs to hear the law. She needs it. We can stand like building some kind of sandcastle, this foundation on what we've done, not realizing that that doesn't bring us any closer to relationship with God. We can, we can look at everybody around us 
we, we can look at those people and yet the reality is, is that we, the same way with everybody else, we have broken the law. We are in need of a savior. And that is true today. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted him, or if you've accepted him a hundred times and that gospel is new every morning, the same is true for you. And we need that. Amen. We need that reality. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want to be a church of people who know and live in the reality that they have a savior and we are no longer bound by sin. We are no longer imprisoned. No matter what the world would say, no matter what our shame would say, no matter what our checklist says, we are, we are children of faith. Let's pray. God, I praise you. I praise you for the truth of your word. God, I praise you for the fact that, that we don't have to just try harder. The truth of the gospel is not that we have a, a hundred million different chances, but the truth of the gospel is that you, you set us free. Yeah. And God, when, when we find ourselves in sin, which, which we do so often, God, when we find ourselves in sin, the, the promise is not that we can try harder or we can, we can do better tomorrow, but the promise is that we can turn back to you, God. And then we can put our hope and our trust and our faith in the fact that, that you finished the work, that you set us free from the law, that you set us free from death, and we can be children, heirs of the promised living in freedom, knowing that, that, God, we just get to, we get to be in relationship with you. We get to be in union with you. God, I pray that if there are people here that have never experienced that, God, I pray that they would experience that this morning, that they would feel the weight of their sin, that they would feel the weight of the law on them, that weight that drags them down, that helps them to see that they need a savior. And God, I pray that you would help to reveal to them today that the savior has come and the work is finished. And God, for those of us who, who we have been Christians for a long time, God, I pray that you would help to remind us that our standing before you is not made, uh, is not made solid, is not, it's not ratified by what we can do, but by what you've done. Help us to remember that, God, every single day and live in the blessing that we are people who are free. We thank you, God. We praise you, and it's in your name. Amen. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.